What's up, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural pilot episode of Muscle Orchestra. I am one of your two co-hosts, Tanner, and with me, helping me pilot this whole thing, I got Chris. Chris, how you doing? Doing great, Tanner. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, <laughs> so it's been a while since it, <laughs> we announced Muscle Orchestra. Uh, a few years in the making for, or not, not years, maybe years. Uh, but this specific project, months in the making, yeah. Yeah, I, I know me and you, it's so crazy, because I think we've only ever done one podcast together, if I'm not Yeah, mistaken. it was the Fiendcast. Yeah, the Fiendcast. Uh, and I remember after that, which that would have been in October of 21, we were like, oh, it'd be kind of cool if we did a podcast together. <laughs> and then we did this, announced it in September... And then, without going into too many specifics, I think you got sick, and then I got sick, and then holidays, and then yeah. birthday. <laughs> Life kept getting in the way and stopping stopping the orchestra, but we're playing now. Yeah, yeah we're playing. I got the violin, and I got some protein. Just like any regular muscle orchestra. I do want to say, the way we came up with this name was uh, Pro Wrestling Wiki. <laughs> Yeah, um, it like you finding this uh, the tag team, the Muscle Orchestra, and then kind of pointing me to it. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's pretty perfect for I think what we want to do with this kind of podcast. Uh, because in the Muscle Orchestra is one of the uh one of the true greats, uh, Nakanishi. We love you, King. Always, every day, big breakfast forever. Um, but yeah, I guess what we really want to do with this whole podcast is kind of go over maybe stuff that's not so much covered in in the mainstream. So so as much like we're probably very rarely going to be talking about like WWE, AEW stuff. Yeah. Unless there's just something that just really blows us away that we kind of have to yeah, mention. Like, they, like, we're not, like, super on the fringes. I mean, some of these matches are more on the fringes than others. Yeah. But we will, obviously, one of the matches we're going to be covering today is uh, a main event from a show at the Budokan. Yeah. So it's not, so... like, <laughs> like, super obscure things, but it's. Like, we don't just want to be the 50th uh, WWE AEW recap of the week podcast. That's played out. That's boring. I don't want to talk about the best of seven series. I don't like I love John Moxley, but enough people are talking about like whatever Moxley or Danielson or Roman Reigns is doing week to week. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, this is. Like I love talking about wrestling, but I don't want to talk about the same wrestling that a million other podcasts are talking about. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, there are plenty of places to hear that. And again, like Chris said, it's not like we're totally on the fringes, like, you know, he, he said, we're <laughs> covering a main event from Budokan. Uh, we also have a match from Wrestle Kingdom on here, Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, but it, it is the undercard. It's the pre-show. Yeah, yeah, it's the pre-show. <laughs> but so there's only so on the fringe you you can really get uh, in this day and age. I, I guess with the accessibility of everything, like you you have to be one of the true freaks to just really be on the cutting edge of it. Um, 
but yeah, we're we're talking about some more undercovered stuff. Obviously, going to be like a worldwide thing. Like, also going to be talking about U.S. independence as well as a lot of Japan stuff and anywhere else we find any cool wrestling. Um, but yeah, that's and I I also do want to say it's not always going to be current stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, we will do like older older. Uh shows especially once we start getting guests on and -hmm. if they have a particular like wrestler promotion that they feel very passionate about and want to share or we want to share uh something like that uh like if i wouldn't be surprised if we did a show about like old like early ddt or something Mm -hmm. like uh like obviously we know a million people who can talk about battle arts all day and stuff like yeah, that so. exactly and i'm i mean i'm sure just i mean just stuff like that iwa mid-south i'm sure there would be a ton of people that would want to do early iwa mid-south czw probably the same thing so it's definitely not just going to be like oh these were the best matches that took place in the last month since we recorded it's going to be a bunch of stuff like that and we're aiming to be a monthly podcast uh Unless one of us catch a hair, I imagine it will be once a month. Again, unless there's just something crazy we want to come on and talk about, uh, which is kind of the joy of making your own podcast. But you can expect this at least once a month. Um, you know, everything willing. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, no yeah, more. Considering COVID. how long the how long it took to get to this point, uh, and I also do want to thank uh, because it took us so long, and with the new year starting we just decided to go all 2023 matches Mm -hmm. uh so thank you if you did send us a match uh i wish i had the list on me i have it uh in a doc uh but i will like at least make sure to shout out some of the matches that got recommended to us uh we might go back and cover those, but we just thought with the new year starting and there being so much good stuff right away that that was the best place to start. But we really do appreciate everyone who uh, was willing to help and uh, send us some matches. Yeah, absolutely. And and we will like in the future too do like, I guess listener grab bags too, where you can just wreck us a match and we just steamroll through five, six, seven of them. Yeah. Cause I know there was a lot of 2022 matches. Chris and I wanted to talk about, <laughs> um, but, it, but at this point it, it, it kind of made the most sense, especially now because I, I, Chris is kind of like me. And I guess I'm kind of like Chris in a way where as soon as the new year starts, we immediately start watching <laughs> all the 23 stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I I am quite a bit that way. Um, There's still 2022 stuff I want to get back to and probably will get back to, but there's just something about the first couple weeks of the year, especially with like all all the big shows in Japan. Everyone, everyone, like every single company is working at least one Cork and Hall show. Like, so you get a lot of big matches right away. Uh, indies want to like do their New Year's Day show. Uh, obviously, WWE and AEW traditionally also use the New Year as like a spring launch for like what they want to do. We're we're approaching the Rumble. It's we're on the road to WrestleMania, baby. 
I don't, I, it's, it's so crazy, too, because I feel like, I mean, I know last year, but it kind of feels like this is the first year where, I, I, it's probably because there's cheering crowds back in Japan, yes. but it really That's feels like, it. yeah, like, it's just different. Like, I was watching a show that we're not even going to cover on this episode. I was watching the Gleet show from, a, like, like, the 8th, and they had crowd cheering back, and it just bought an energy to Gleet that literally... I was thinking, I was like, oh my god, Gleet has li- literally never had a cheering crowd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is insane. Uh, it just brings a whole energy. And it always feels like wrestlers at the beginning of the year to kind of give it a little extra effort. I mean, as far down as like the most, you know, fringe indies to your WWE and AEWs. So it's really nice, and it always gives like a nice little motivation. And then fi- finally, got Chris and I to uh, do this podcast, which uh, again have this p- specific one has been like six months in the making. So I'm very excited to finally get to it. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think I I'm really excited to talk about wrestling. Like I I'm I've just been away, like kind of in a rut of just kind of watching weekly tv and not really seeking other stuff out so to have this excuse to now dive into all the other promotions i've been meaning to get back into or like i've got just such a big backlog and beginning of the year is the start of like a good cutoff point for okay this is where i'll start catching up and then i'll go back to everything else uh so yeah, it really it really helps break the rut of you know, it's just easy to watch dynamite every week, so that's all the wrestling I'll consume. Mm-hmm. Um which kind of takes me out of wrestling in general. Dynamite I enjoy weekly, but like that's not where a lot of my favorite stuff in wrestling is. Yeah, like you're you're not getting Madman Pondo on You're not on getting Mad Madman Pondo is not walking through that. I was going to say tunnel, but they got rid of the tunnel. Yeah, they got rid of the tunnel. <laughs> uh, bring them back, Tony. Tony, I know you're listening. I know what you're cooking. Let's just keep it hot all year. Let's not have a dip anymore. You're on a hot street. Let's just keep it up. That, that's the one thing I can't stand about Dynamite. I know we said we're not we're about to get to the matches, I swear. But one thing I can't stand about Dynamite is there's so many <laughs> peaks and valleys. Yeah. That when Dynamite stinks, it sucks. It's really it really sucks. But when Dynamite is good, like this this past Wednesdays with uh Mox and Page and uh Danielson uh Kanosuke, it it's good. It's great. Like it really stands out as like Wow, that was an excellent two hours of television. Yeah. But then other times it's just like, wow, why why are we it's doing just, this? just like you get one of those segments where MJF is like really dropping a stinker promo. Yeah. Uh and it goes on for like half an hour and stuff like that. And then Yeah, it's not no good. But this isn't about AEW. This is about the six matches that we've chosen for today. Yeah. So did you want to, you want to introduce our first match? Cause this was, this was a, you recommend, I didn't even know this match happened at wrestle kingdom. This was a, you recommendation. You want to intro it and we uh, dive into it. <laughs> yeah. So from the Tokyo dome, uh, from January the 4th, 2023, 
uh, at Wrestle Kingdom 17, the pre-show, uh, before even the Rambo went on, we had an exhibition match between Bolton Oleg and uh, Ryohei Oiwa. And this is the future of wrestling. I have been really into a lot of uh, like what young lions have been doing, like the these last few classes of young lions for New Japan have been really good. Uh, so I, I'm I'm not a person any longer that skips like the training matches, even though like they're not doing that many moves. But it's just really interesting to see, especially like I said, these last few classes who. You can already see are good as young lions and watch them grow. And in this case, we also have the debut of Bolton Oleg, who is a Russian amateur wrestler. Uh, and who now works at New Japan and just seeing this guy uh, in this exhibition match warrants it enough, I think. Yeah, I, no, I would agree with that. We should also mention this had a three-minute time limit. <laughs> yes, this is this is an exhibition match. Yeah. It's very uh, obviously grapple-focused. It's got a three-minute time limit. So it's hard to say how good Bolton Oleg is actually going to be based off of this match. You don't... I don't think they run a single rope because it's so it's all grapple focused mm -hmm. with some strikes um but when you see like this hulking Rus uh, russian amateur wrestler yeah cuz this dude's come in, huge <laughs> like yeah. easily probably already one of the three or five biggest people on the new japan roster Yeah, let me see if I, I can find some. Yeah, he's 6'1", 275. Yeah, and <laughs> he's stacked. <laughs> the dude is built. And he also wrestles in a singlet, which I always appreciate. Um, yeah. In, in wrestling, especially when you come from an amateur background. And if I'm not mistaken, Chris, and I, I don't even know if there's a way you can fact check this. I think it was Nagata that got him. To New Japan, I think Nagata's like their main over, like talent scout outside of Rocky Romero. Yeah, uh, so Rocky Romero does a lot of the scouting in the U.S. He's one of their trainers at the dojo in LA with like Shibata. Um, but I think I believe this was a Nagata find. Uh, he at least introduced him in October. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, this is definitely a Nagata find. Uh, I can't find anything else to see the contrary. Uh, but like, even if, even if it wasn't like the actual original discovery by him, uh, they're definitely associating him with Nagata. Oh yeah, I guess. I don't even know about this because if I'm not mistaken. Doesn't Tiger Mask do the dojo now or something? I'm sure it's a bunch of the old heads that help train at the yeah. dojo anyways. But I thought I read that Tiger Mask 4 does is the main trainer there now. I don't know. I 
I am not going to say anything for certain. I know, like, I know for sure that the LA Dojo is like Rocky Romero doing a lot of the work there and Shibata. Uh, but I have no idea about what's going on in like the actual Japanese dojo. Yeah. I just know that the wrestlers coming out of there are good. Yeah. No, that, that's the thing because obviously, you know, we, we want to cover this match because of this Russian beast of a man that's debuted. And I think there's another one too. Didn't, isn't, isn't there two Russians and we haven't seen the other one yet. I, I have no idea. Oh Matt, I feel, okay. Maybe I'm just totally, totally possible. Yeah, uh, it would be weird if there was only one. For I just feel like you would want to bring just a whole plane full of them, uh, and just train them to be, you know, world class professional wrestlers. But Oiwa is also already like super good. Oh yeah, he has a match with uh, Zack Saber Jr. from I believe February of last year. That's very good, and obviously Zack Saber Jr. Uh, I think right now he might be the best wrestler in the world, but that's not a carry job. Like Oiwa is giving, like giving something there, and he has some other uh, very good matches. Uh, he's uh, made like done some of the like crossover with like all Japan, uh, Young Lions. He's in. That match that we were going to talk about uh, from the Raising an Army series with a bunch of other as part of like Nagata's army into all Japan. Um, but like he's really good. Uh, Kosei Fujita, also very good. Very good already. Uh, Yota Suji, Ren Narita, lots of really good young wrestlers coming out of that dojo right now. Uh, Oira, one of them. Bolton Oleg, you hope, is going to be one of them. He looks good in this match, but he's doing what he's good at. You don't yeah. really see him doing a wrestling move. He's not working New Japan House style in this match. No. Uh, yeah, definitely not. So, like, I, but I wonder if they want him to work the i mean obviously like is bolton oleg a future like iwgp challenger like who knows but also like him working 10 minutes on the undercard sounds pretty good yeah i want to see like a in a year i hope we get like a 10 minute match between oleg and like the great okan oh my god yeah yeah that's that's obviously like stylistically the most appealing matchup new japan can probably book for him to me yeah. Um, besides him, you know, getting to run like this young, this young lion gauntlet, which I'm sure, you know, once they announce their next tour, he'll he'll be opening on it quite a bit. Uh, but match wise, like Chris said, this is like a lot of grappling, which I I do appreciate with the young lions because contrary to popular belief, the young lions that used to come out of New Japan used to not be very good. <laughs> like yeah. they have not always come out of the dojo like you know competent wrestlers even your tanahashi's shibata is a little bit of a different story but tanahashi nakamura even okada who had training before he got uh yeah to new japan they were not necessarily good and that's what gives me hope about new japan in the future is that the like the young lines are all already good and we've already seen a couple of crop 
uh, you know, Oka, who's now Okan. He's great. He's a fantastic yeah. wrestler. I, I still don't know how Master Wado got as good as he is now. Because, like, he was a fine young lion, mm-hmm. and then he and, was terrible in Mexico. Yeah, awful, awful. <laughs> awful in CMLL, and then just comes back and is just fixed. Yeah, with, like, the goofiest gimmick and somehow it works. Yeah, I mean, Hiromu w- was not a great young lion. He really didn't put it together till Mexico. Uh, but it also gets me, because, like, uh, Shoda is back, and he was awesome in that Mudo Six-Man um, yeah, um, on the Wrestle I, Kingdom card. I haven't always been uh, the biggest uh, Shota Umino fan as far as some of these young guys, but he's he he's had some good matches lately. Uh, he had he was good, I thought, in the Muto match. He was uh, good at Forbidden Door, yeah. Um, with against like the Jericho uh, trio with uh, Minoru Suzuki and Sammy Guevara. Like, I thought he was really good in that match. He had a good match in America against QT Marshall. Uh, so I think he's starting to, like, I'm starting to see it a little bit more with him. Mm-hmm. Cause just, just, <laughs> I know we're already totally going off base, but just based on his play placement, I feel like that is the guy that new Japan wants to get behind. Oh yeah. He, he is definitely going to be the most highly pushed. Yeah. Of this crop. Like like being called the future, but in comparison to Muto and Tanahashi, seems about as the biggest shoes to fill as possible because yeah. you're pretty you're pretty much wanting this guy essentially building him up to at least be like an ace one B, uh, you know, depending how much longer Okada can last. But uh it, it's it's kind of crazy because yeah, it's just <laughs> it's so weird now because like Chris, I don't know how long you've been watching New Japan or Japanese wrestling in general, but when I started watching New Japan, it was kind of the same thing happening, but it was like what we call the third generation starting to move over to let like Tanahashi and Nakamura and Okada wouldn't come in until the next year when I started watching, but to let those guys take the limelight as opposed to... Now, where you know, Nakamura's not even there. Okada is, you know, he's not old, but definitely slowing down. Tanahashi will probably never hold the title again. So it's, it's like the first passing of the guard that I've seen in New Japan, and it's kind of cool to live through that. Yeah, um, I I started watching uh, wrestling again in 2015, uh, so I was kind of well into like that this past era like okada was already very much an established main eventer uh nakamura was on his way out uh aj styles had a couple good years and then he went to wwe like all all that kind of stuff is when i got into it so but um i mean with with oleg i i really it's it's hard to judge by three minutes of total match footage. And and like you said, they didn't run the ropes. They just grappled. But I But it's good. It's yeah, it's really good. It's great. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh we, we have our 
you know, our star ratings here for reference. I, I went three on it, which is, you know, I, I thought it was good. <laughs> Chris, you want to go a little deep dive into your rating? I went three and three quarters. I like, I know it's maybe I'm that guy who's like getting excited about the NXT trainees on level up doing like the most basic sequences, but like for what this match is, I think it's a really good showcase of like the new prospect you have going against one of your more established prospects playing around with the mismatch of sizes of some solid grappling and like you don't put Oleg over right away because it's his debut so you make it go to the three minute draw and I I think it's just really well done um like obviously in a vacuum there are much better matches on uh Wrestle Kingdom uh that I probably rated that I did rate lower than this uh but it it is also kind of like based on the expectation too of like I'm judging uh like young lions on a different scale than I'm giving like Zack Sabre Jr like I'm I'm giving wrestlers a little bit of leeway um but yeah I mean I I really loved this this was like a perfect little taster to get me into the mood for Wrestle Kingdom which mm-hmm. is a really good show overall uh I'm I am not the biggest fan of the gamer Kenny Omega or Will Ospreay but I do really love that match that they mm-hmm. had in in the like semi main like I think that might be Kenny's best match definitely Will Ospreay's best match uh I- it's definitely my, mm, it's definitely my favorite Kenny match in a while. I don't know if it's his best. It's definitely up there for Osprey for me, though. Uh, there, there's probably some Kenny. I, it might be. Re- it's probably recency bias, specifically talking about Kenny for me, because I mean he has a lot of good matches with Naito specifically he's got some really great matches with ishii obviously the okada series but and maybe it's just because like kenny omega at the tokyo dome is such a different beast than tv trios kenny omega for me yeah oh yeah so i'm i'm probably over hyping that but yeah it's a really good show and this was like a perfect little uh appetizer for what you get later. Yeah, I, absolutely. I couldn't say it better myself. It's, yeah. I, I, if you, for some reason, skip this, if you slept through the dark matches of New Japan for, for Wrestle Kingdom, or was just like, uh, that, you should watch it. Because, uh, honestly, I think Oiwa is going to be a very big deal in New Japan. Uh, and Oleg, it, it's, just, it's always fun to watch somebody's debut match. Um, e- even if they're dog shit but oleg i think has real potential it kind of reminds me of very early segura in the way where you get like this high level amateur wrestler in the ring and they kind of get it like i mean oleg already has like really good timing and stuff that you don't that with the amateur style it just really helps and it's definitely something different in new japan so i'm excited to see what he does next yeah for sure absolutely 
All right, you want to go to our our next match? Yeah. Um. So from January the third, uh, from Freedom's Happy New Freedom at uh Shinkiba First Ring, in a ten minute uh death match. I is it? I think in like the YouTube video they call it Sprint to the Death. Yeah, yeah, um, they, they call it like 10 minute sprint to the death, which is I did not know prior to the match. I'm like, why did they put up this clipped ass version of a Takeda Kasai match? But <laughs> it wasn't clipped. But, <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's not clipped. It is in a uh, 10 minute time limit death match between Jin Kasai and uh, Masashi Takeda. Uh, it's probably my least favorite match of the bunch that we're going to talk about today, but it's a neat little with the gimmick. It's a neat little like curiosity to see like Jun Kasai, uh, all time great, uh, deathmatch worker who, uh, I feel like has been pretty inconsistent performance to performance, which I will not blame him at all for sometimes just playing the hits at his mm-hmm. age with his wear and tear. Um, but he had some incredible matches with El Desperado last year, uh, which rank among his best ever. Uh, and obviously Masashi Takeda has been maybe the best Japanese death match wrestler of how many years do you even want to give it? Five, at least it, five. It, I'm trying to think when his really big run as Deathmatch Champ in Big Japan was, and I want to say that was like six or seven years ago. Yeah. So it, it's been at least that better part of a decade, probably nearly. Yeah, and Takeda, uh, Takeda and Kasai have had great matches together. Uh, obviously, you're going to find better match matches than this between these two, but seeing like two guys like this kind of break it down to the essence in a time, like in a time limit crunch is just really fun. Yeah. It's definitely something in death match wrestling. You don't get a ton. Um, I, I GCW's kind of ran like your short death match sprints before. I mean, not gimmick, not gimmick as such, but Kasai and Takeda here, obviously two masters of the craft. And they really also, I find it very interesting that it's in Shinkaba of all places. Like it just seems too small of a venue to do like a proper death match. Um, but they, I mean, they have everything here. They have glass, they have forks. Uh, Kasai uses like a scalpel thing and and they bleed a good bit. Yeah. For, (laughs) for like, and it's the opener. Uh, like it's very much an undercard death match. Uh, but you're still getting a lot of blood for like an eight minute match between two guys that don't need to bleed this much on the first, uh, like on the first match of the New Year show. Like they don't need to do this, but they still do it. And like it might not be their best work, but like you, uh, you get some gnarly head butts, you get real good blood. Uh, and it kind of gets you set up to like want to see what both these guys do in the new year, especially I have no idea what Kasai does to 
like matches 2022. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking because I think me and you both are extremely high on that on the Desperado singles match. Um, like I would say it's probably among my top ten matches of the year from 2022. Um, I don't know where you land on it. It would be in my top three. Oh yeah, so uh, it would be in my top three, and the tag match uh, they have uh, is also just awesome Hanma is in that and Hanma at his age is just you really think that guy is just going to die at any moment in that match not to mention the state his body is in you know nearly had to retire because of a neck injury and then he puts on a barbed wire crown and hits a Kokeshi so (laughs) yeah like that is that is a real like gnarly sicko match. Yeah. So like the singles match is way better, but I definitely check out that tag as well. Yeah. The, ta- uh, the Yeah. Some of Kasai's, like I said, uh, not just best of the past few years since he's kind of gotten older, but his entire career, I think it it's up there. Yeah, no, I I would completely agree. The, those two matches are definitely worth going out of your way for. But I, I am kind of curious what Kasai and even Takeda does uh, this year because I, I like it, it. Feels like Takeda's kind of a. I don't even know if he still does Big Japan. Big Japan is so hard to keep up with now because it's all on BJW Core or whatever they call it. Uh, he he does still work. Uh, Big Japan. Big Japan. Okay. There were a few. I don't think he's ever stopped. There are a few years there where he was definitely working freedoms more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but according to cagematch.com, he actually wor- worked Big Japan more than freedoms last year. Oh, and obviously, okay. he still does like the occasional excursion to the States mm-hmm. um, or at, like. He has I don't think he's been back since covid but obviously he'll work with gcw when they come there and yeah. i would love to see him in the states again because i would love to see him live uh but yeah that's where i'm at it's do you remember it was i think it was 2020 it was right before covid that match that him and loki had yeah that yeah, were that, like <laughs> the first was that the first no hard holds barred chain show yeah like chain show and like he gets handcuffs and t- takes the double stomp on yeah that's top. a that's a great match yeah that is a good match yeah he needs to come back to the state <laughs> somebody needs to bring him close um a lot closer than shinkaba for us yeah um maybe maybe icw will bring him back because they just had they just had abby come in yeah, uh, yeah. At the end of last year, so maybe. Well, then, and GCW is bringing in a ton of Japanese names uh, for this little East Coast shot they're yeah. doing soon. Like they're bringing in Kushida, Vinny's coming in, Maki Ito, which is like a semi GCW regular now, which is weird. Um, and then like a ton of other names. So hopefully Takeda and even Kasai. I would love for I don't know if Kasai is just at that age where he doesn't want to travel overseas anymore. Um. But I would love to get the opportunity to see him live as well if if that was to come up. Yeah, I think the la- last time Kasai he did work uh he did work GCW stateside in twenty nineteen. 
So he hasn't he hasn't really like it's been COVID since then, basically. Yeah. So I was about to say it's been nearly impossible to even get over here in the last few years. But hopefully, here's to hoping. But then I'm like, who would I even want to see Kasai? I mean, obvious answer, June Kasai versus Hoodfoot. <laughs> it's the match. Yeah, that, that's the match. <laughs> it's just who's brave enough to book it. But uh, yeah, so for Kasai and Takeda, I actually like this one a little bit more than Chris. I went uh, three and three quarters on it. I Or three and, yeah, three quarters. Um it's just it it is the most basic death match but again when you have these two masters doing it and it's so refined into just 8 minutes of death match like there's no they don't really do any opening sequence they kind of just go right for like the biggest hits and like a finishing sequence is the whole match and i really appreciated that especially again coming from Kasai and Takeda and also, it being an opener for a Shinkaba Freedom show is just kind of funny that they they went this hard. They did not have to because there's some gnarly spots in it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's another just little taste here. I think we're we're about to get into the stuff that we're we're really digging. Um, the like some matches with a little bit more meat on the bones. Yeah. But I think so, those are two really good matches. Kind just kind of in our wheelhouse that we liked and we want to talk about, mm-hmm. but they really are just like curiosities or teasers to just something a little bit bigger. Yeah. It, it also helps too. Um, now, Oleg and Oiwa, obviously a part of Wrestle Kingdom 17. You'd have to go seek that out. But Takeda and Kasai's on YouTube for free, officially from the Freedoms channel. You can just search it up and watch yeah. it. Yeah. Because I actually, how like Tanner suggested the match, and it was like the, it was the last match I needed to watch for the show. Uh, and I was checking like all of the usual like spots to that aren't YouTube, the alternative sites where you watch Japanese wrestling. Well, and I, I kept no searching for about. like I kept searching for freedoms. Like I expect I thought like the whole show is up there somewhere. I was like, Tanner, how did you watch this match? And he just drops a YouTube link <laughs> from the official Freedoms account. Yeah, like somewhere you would never I'm just pulling uh, a shoe date and just saying I watched it, even though it's not even on tape yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because this whole match or this whole show is not available I, I, to my knowledge, but just this one match uh, Freedoms has on their YouTube channel. So that's really nice. So you should definitely go check that out uh, unless blood's not your thing, which, you know, don't. Uh okay, Chris. So we said we were gonna wing it after those two matches. Which match do you want to go to next? Just, just say the number, and I can intro. <laughs> yeah. F- uh, first on my on mine uh would be going to the carousel room at the Showboat Hotel. Oh okay. Uh, so our next match, which is a, on paper, it sounds extremely our shit, <laughs> and then in practice, it was extremely our shit. Uh, we're talking about. Uh, from GCW 56 Nights, uh, New Year's Day, 
Madman Pondo versus Matt Tremont. And uh, was it billed as a death match or did it kind of just. It was billed as a death match. Okay. I mean, I don't think. Like, and even if it's not billed as a death match, like, you're not getting. You're not getting a straight match from Pondo and Tremont, especially like at this point in their careers. Yeah. Like, you can. I'm just going to say it. You can really tell, especially with Pondo, that uh, he's not he's not so mobile. <laughs> you can say that he's never been so mobile. <laughs> yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to think. But now but now he's like 50 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matt Tremont, I-, I think, still looks very. I mean, I know he's teased retirement a couple times now. Yeah, he. Twice. Uh, he retired and unretired, and now he's doing another, like, I don't know if this is billed as, like, a last run, but it kind of feels like it. He's putting a lot over a lot of, like, young deathmatch wrestlers, which also just might be his general prerogative, because he's kind of just in that, uh, in that just stalwart mode, where he has a lot of young trainees that he's invested in, and wants yeah. to put them over but uh yeah i mean and tremont's always a guy that you look it up and he's younger than you think he is yeah he from, uh he's still in his 30s is he not he is in his he is in his low 30s God. he is 33 <laughs> that's that's only six years older than i am <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's wild. Okay, I did not realize he was that young. I thought he was 38, 39. No, but I mean, he's a guy that has put his body through hell so oh, many yeah. times. Uh and so like you really see the wear, but he does like he still does look good. Uh Oh yeah, and I he's mean... he's the guy who uh physically carries the brunt of this match. Oh, absolutely. Especially Two before we get into the meat of this match, when you consider, uh, I always look back on the Nick Gage Matt Tremont trilogy from sixteen into seventeen or fifteen into sixteen, whatever. It, I don't have my sheet in front of me, but like they were taking bumps on like just concrete from yep. the top rope. So like the fact sometimes I get out of bed and my knee hurts. So my knee hurts right now. I'm sitting down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I did to it, but it's messed up. So the fact that the like Matt Tremont is still out there, like you, you know what? Yeah, I want to get hit with glass. Fuck yeah, good for him. Because <laughs> I it couldn't be me. Um, but yeah, this <laughs> I think everybody has probably seen the one like semi-viral GIF <laughs> from yeah the the real. So I would describe this match as a Looney Tunes car crash match. Yeah, this and is a Looney Tunes the, ass match. The gif that went around especially is some Looney Tunes ass shit. Uh, it, it, oh man, it's so good. <laughs> so, like, there's other stuff earlier in the match that I would like to talk about, but the gif that I saw that made me want to seek this out uh, is that I was already going to seek it out, but like, yeah. you see the gifts as they're happening, and like you start to know this matches for me. Uh Pondo gives Matt Tremont a light tube bundle to the taint. And yeah. like not immediately, but a second later, 
<laughs> Matt Tremont <laughs> does a delayed bump over the ropes where he lands with one leg in the trash can and falls down. Just falls flat on his face. Definitely did not brace it at all. That's beautiful. That's that's poetry. Everyone who helped give this match a 3.4 out of 10 on cagematch.net, I know I'm going to complain about the inmates a lot in the course of the show, but that is garbage. This match is two true warriors going at it. Uh, just like, I, I am a sucker for some Looney Tunes selling, and Tremont is going crazy on it, this match. And yeah. there's, no, there's no better than, like, the slapstick of that spot. It's perfect. And also, <laughs> to go to Pondo for a second, Pondo just, I mean, literally talk about Looney Tunes. Crafting like shit to crash through that doesn't even physically make sense yeah like it's just it, they even call it out on commentary they're like what the, we, who fucking knows what pondo's doing uh because it, it looks like if you take a legitimate bump through it like you are going to die there's just no explanation why he is putting a trash can on top of a chair and filling the trash can with light tubes yeah but man uh it God, yeah, Looney Tunes is really the perfect way to describe this match. There, so there are light tubes, there are cinder blocks, mm-hmm. shopping carts. There's a knife. Stop signs. There, there is a knife. Uh, there is a saw blade. Uh, trash cans. Like this is, this is. Like what it's all about. This is some EC dub, EC dub shit. Like this is a death match through and through. Uh from like two absolute titans. Um Pondo, like say what you want about his ability to actually do a wrestling move or how mobile he is. This is a man who will take a bump. <laughs> Again, <laughs> all of this comes from a place of love. Yeah. I could not do the shit that Pondo does in this match. I'm not taking these bumps. I'm 27. I'm not doing this shit. <laughs> just the fact that he's just like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to throw me in the fucking trash can. Like I'm a piece of garbage. It's just good. Getting hit with a shopping cart. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a little story. One time uh, at Target, the shopping cart thing got away from somebody, and one of them ran over my foot. It hurt. Matt Tremont just gets hit with a metal-ass fucking shopping cart in this match. That, yeah. Like, you can't, you can't brace yourself. I mean, I guess you can. A little like some, bit. Yeah, but it, that's like some real jackass shit. You know? <laughs> like, It's so good. Yeah, like, this is... Like, there's a spot where uh, Tremont gets a couple fans to hold some light tubes to Pondo's head and then throws a cinder block through him. Like, which I imagine so much cool shit. Like, uh, nothing like when Pondo has like that saw blade and puts it in someone's ass crack. Like, there's a lot of taint work in this match. There is a lot of taint work. Too. Like, Pondo definitely works over the taint of Matt Tremont, but it works because the match already is so fucking 
goofy. Yeah, that you're like, yeah, Tremont's gonna die because he's gonna bleed out of his taint, and he he's dead. He's gone. Yeah, I mean, I I do think like a lot of this kind of death match works just as for me. It works just as well as like as serious as you can get. Uh, like main event deathmatch style from your from your Takeda, from your Isami Kodaka, from your Alex Cologne or Eric Ryan or whoever. And like Matt Tremont has obviously been in plenty of those epics as well. But there's just yeah. something about like a good like slapstick three stooges ass deathmatch. Yeah, because they both also bleed a ton. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> too, like it's so good. I mean, like, it's it's comical in a in a way, just because they do like some, like I mean, Tremont and Pondo just throw cinder blocks at each other for a spot, and it's just like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, I mean, these are two guys who, at this point, their bodies like their foreheads are gushing open f with like a slightly heavy breeze. And so when you see cinder blocks coming at them, you know you're gonna get some good color. It's it it's good. This definitely the, the literal knife that Pondo is just carving Tremont, and he's like to help move to the next spot with another knife. He's like doing this crazy bump across the ring, and oh, it's so good. It, it's definitely obviously you know if you look at what the inmates thought uh not everybody's cup of tea but like for the people that get it yeah i don't know what love this match it, it will probably be some people's favorite gcw match in like two years <laughs> to be honest yeah because it's it's up there for me <laughs> like I, on the it's G- it's the best yeah. gcw match i've seen in a while um but yeah, Tremont can still go. I'm excited for Tremont's 2023 just because like he has a match with Hoodfoot coming up that I know is going to just be a banger. Uh, yeah. With, with that we may end up talking about on this podcast because we both love Hoodfoot. But I, I, I'm either doing this Love for him and do a match like this because I think it would really work well with how they work. But then, like, also like helping the young, like the new death matchers coming up. Like, I, I think he could put together a really special run here in 2023. And this was a phenomenal start, better than anything you could go in with no expectations and just be surprised. <laughs> like, the only thing that would have made this match better is if Tremont or Pondo painted a fucking scenic highway or something and bump the other one into it and then they just kept running through the wall yeah. that would have been the only thing that would have made it even like maybe better. maybe if they could have put an anvil on someone's head but i i do i don't know how you can work that bump so yeah man it was it was so good i went full four on it which like on my personal scale is like when a match transcends good slash very good and goes into great and th- this this match does it. It's so man, yeah, it's so I, fucking good. <laughs> I have it at four and a quarter. I have like truly just a really fun match. Like I I just lose. Like I just feel 
like I'm having a good time watching this match. Like I'm like it's the kind of match where if I was there in the crowd live, I w- probably would have like put up my Dave five star hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh man. I just remembered when he did that at PWG. That's a good bit. That's a good bit. Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially if, you know, if you hand me one of the light tubes to hold, I'm going to a GCW show in like two weeks. Um, hopefully somebody asks me to hold a light tube. Oh yeah. Um, is GC, all I can ask for. Like even the, even like the lower end of GCW shows, they're always fun to go to live. Yeah. Like the, it's very hard to, it's very hard to have a, bad time at a deathmatch promotion but um like like those shows even when they're not the best on tape are just always a blast live and like same for other deathmatch promotions i've been to like it it's very much about the vibes as much as anything else yeah absolutely and the only <laughs> GC quote unquote GCW show I've ever been to is the first Janela Spring Break show in 2017. So I'm I'm pretty excited to to go see. I'll get to see Nick Gage live finally after <laughs> years and years and years of waiting. Oh yeah, Gage live. I mean, he's very much very much had some issues with like physically the past few years but his presence is just unreal on a show yeah yeah he plays the hits and i you know i'm not going to see fucking boston to see them do crazy shit i'm going to listen to some good tunes that that's nick gage i want to i want to see my classics I, i you know nick gage for me doesn't have to get on top of a ring post and crash through concrete or put a fish hook through somebody's cheek now Nick Gage, to me, I want him to see him throw the fucking gang signs. I want him to hit people with light tubes and then say fuck a lot. That's what I want. Yeah, I mean, he's like his peak career years. He's he's had plenty of great matches, but he is also like just a really good formula wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, I'm super pumped. Where, Where do you want to go next? Um, um, we have three matches left, all in Japan, three different promotions. Uh, let's do uh, the Kyushu Pro match. Okay, so next up on our list is Kyushu Pro. Uh, I, I assume it's pronounced Jokio Show. Um, from Jokio, this is Hikaru Saito versus Hitamaru Sasaki in a UWF rules match. Uh, this show is also this entire show is available for free on YouTube. I highly recommend it because there's a, another match that we're not going to talk about. Um, that's also just a banger on there. It, it was a really good show all around, but this to me really stood out and is still probably one of my favorite matches of the year as of this point. But um, yeah, so you just have Suzuki, who I believe most of his work now is in Heat Up, if I'm not mistaken, and then Sato. Um... Is is it heat up or is it? I mean, he, I know he does he a lot of work heat up Pro. occasionally, yeah. but I think he almost exclusively works Kyushu Pro. Kyushu, okay. Uh, and like then, he'll show up other places, but he's not a lot. 
and then you have Hikaru Saito, who I all Japan uh, is his mainstay, but he will also do a lot of heat up. He did Ryzen last year, like a legitimate MMA fight. I believe it was last year, maybe 2021. I don't remember. Um, but he, I mean, he always represents Pancras, so like he has a legitimate shooter background. Uh, and this match fucking rocks. Yeah, it has uh, been it has been a while since I've seen a Sato match, just because I I've kind of just fell off all Japan the past few years. Um, so I haven't just seen him as much in general. But it's always it's always nice to see Sato. It's like seeing an old friend, uh, and especially in a match like this where it's UWF rules. And like I somehow have been sleeping on a lot of the like UWF rules shoot style like prom- promotions that like a lot of these smaller Japanese promotions are doing that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's my kind of shit, but I just haven't watched much of it. So it's really cool to see this, especially like when you compare it to like what american promotions do for these kinds of matches yeah because there's only probably like five people in america that can legitimately do a uwf rules match and it'd be like legit good and all of them that i'm thinking about have legit backgrounds <laughs> yeah um, but but what you end up getting is like jonathan gresham or like yeah like or uh, not like other guys who just like they're trying, but you always end up like these matches that are a little too cute. They're focused. They are always like at least one side is really obsessed with like the rope break rule mm-hmm. and like commentators really don't know what they're doing with it. So yeah, it's always just this weird beast. So like seeing something like this in Japan where it's just a really work well worked like shoot style matches phenomenal and i I do want to say i'm kind of in the same boat as chris i really in general since covid i have not watched a ton of japanese wrestling just because it's you know they were no crowd for a while and i just can't fucking stand the clap crowd like like i i was never one of those people that i thought a crowd could distract from a match but especially working these house styles of you know, Chris mentioned all Japan, but even New Japan and I mean, pr- practically every promotion in Japan, their main events are built to go long, and you need yes. that crowd investment. Uh, you know, New Japan running a fucking forty-minute match where nobody can, you know, yeah, emote. I mean, it's hard to get. I mean, they can be good, and that's probably why, personally, for me, like, will find it hard to go back through. I, I don't know if you want to call it COVID era you know, Japanese stuff just because it's so hard for me watching at home, you know, watching Shingo and Okada going 40 minutes and the most I get from a crowd is clapping. Like I, it's, yeah. it's hard for me and I understand, you know, obviously this isn't just a me problem. I don't think, um, but it, it it's so nice now to get like actual human <laughs> reactions to matches now. I mean, I don't need the crowd to be losing their fucking yeah. mind you know, every time, but just like a, a gasp occasionally would be nice. And there, 
it, it's just nice that we're getting back to that, especially in Japan, because there's so much good shit in Japan that, that it it does really lose a little bit. Like, yeah, especially when uh, it, it's every promotion. Yeah, like I think as far as from like a style standpoint. Noah was one of the better big promotions in Japan at kind of like working around not having an not having a crowd or uh having a clap crowd. I think they did better than a lot of places. I think New Japan through the clap, clap crowd era got progressively better. Mm-hmm. Uh but it it still just yeah, is not the same. And we'll we'll I'm definitely going to be talking about that with the next two matches, especially, which uh I think the crowd does play a pretty big role in making those matches special. Um but yeah, in general, just hearing like you don't need to hear the chants or whatever. You just want to hear a crowd gasping when there's like a like when the heel does something or when there's just a really impressive uh display or really good reversal like you want to hear that and that has been missing yeah and and like one of my favorite things and you really only get this with japanese crowds is when something like legitimately shocking or excite like when shibata came out at the g1 in 21 to do that ex exhibition with zack saber jr like the crowd like broke all protocol and went like like the gasp you don't get that in american crowds or european crowds that only happens i don't know what it is but that only happens for japanese crowds that's like one of my favorite reactions in wrestling and that's yeah american the last three years americans just immediately start chanting this is awesome yeah yeah or holy shit or whatever but you know that's a whole which is not the same as just like which i mean like obviously Shibata seeing him is awesome in any in any case, but like seeing that like very odd ga- gasp mm-hmm. for like him coming back is tr- like truly special. Yeah, and that's probably one of the you know only times that ha- has happened in Japan in the last three years. Um, so even to to <laughs> I I don't even know how we got on that tangent with Sato and Suzaki, but <laughs> it it really adds to this match that there is a crowd able to emote because Sato, I don't know if he broke Suzaki's nose in this match, but he definitely fucked up Suzaki's nose. Like that. I was going to say before we got on that tangent, like that adds so much to this match is the fact that Suzaki has that color on his face. Like, like whenever, whenever someone gets bumped, like, like bloodied up in one of these matches where you've got a lot of strikes, you've got a lot of holds. It just like, it makes it feel more real. And yeah. like, that's the ultimate goal with like a UWF rules is you want it to feel as real as possible. So like the match already starts good, but once Sato does like he breaks Sasaki's face open in some way, like once you get that is when you're like, okay, this is like, this is like one of the real first early great matches of the year. Yeah. And Sasaki does get a receipt on him because Sato's lip by the end of the match is like 
very clearly busted in a couple yeah. of places. Like it, this has the real, especially talking about like the way like Americans kind of do this match, or really anywhere else besides like proper shooters in Japan. D- like it, it has that sense of realness to it, like you said, that it 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 makes it feel better. Like I like I'll watch MMA. I like MMA, but it it's something about the pro wrestling. I don't know, kind of like the pageantry around it that draws yeah. me more to pro wrestling than MMA. Which is probably the reason why I love watching Ryzen so much because the fucking pageant essentially. Um. But with Sato and Sasaki, like they have that, but then I mean they fuck each other up. I mean, again, I, I don't know if Sasaki's nose is actually broken, but it looked fucked up. Yeah. Um, but by the end, like this only goes 15 minutes, but by the end of 15 minutes, I mean Sasaki's nose is legitimately like crooked and purple and again just gushing blood. It's not like a trickle of blood, gushing blood. Like I said, Sato has blood all over him from Sasaki's nose. But then Sato's like lip got busted open in a couple of spots. I mean it it's fucking awesome. <laughs> and and then just good grappling on top of all of that. Like, yeah, good grappling, good strikes, like you get the you get the color, uh you get some crowd reaction. Like you you do have just a recipe for a really solid UWF rules, shoot style, what like whatever you wanna label you wanna put on it, that kind of match like it's just a really good recipe and like i said like there's a couple moments where they get points taken away but it's not like that ring of honor pure rules or whatever type working of it so yeah it definitely just feels great watching this this is this is a good time watch it on youtube uh, I need to watch the rest of the show, like Tanner said. Like I only saw this match because he suggested it, uh, but I've been meaning to get back to that show. Yeah, there's a the opener in particular. It's a Kazuki Hashimoto versus. Oh my god, I can't remember. It, it's some guy I'd never even heard of. I think Sora Eason. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, Sora Eason, and it is one of the best like bullying just (laughs) Hashimoto just bullies the shit out of this guy I love to see a guy get owned so yeah I mean it it reminded me um this was years ago it might be close to a decade now but Hashimoto and Koji Kanemoto had a series where Kanemoto would just bully the fuck out of Hashimoto and like this is that match, but Hashimoto is now in the Kanemoto role. Yeah. And it, God, it's so, I mean, it's so good. And probably the grossest headbutt of the year so far. Oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, highly, highly recommend that one, uh, for all my, all my shoot headbutt freaks. All right, Chris, where are we going? I I, I think if you kind of know us, you kind of know where, we're, what two matches left we have on here. Um, so Chris, you want, you want to go Noah? You want to go Tokyo Joshi? Let's go Tokyo Joshi. Okay. So up next from Tokyo Joshi's, uh, January 4th show, uh, from Corican Hall, we got Miyu Yamashita versus Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, Chris, why don't you kind of walk us 
because this is the match me and Chris have the biggest difference in opinion on. So I would I would love to hear Chris's like side of the the tale. Okay. Um. So this is Tokyo Joshi Pro. Like you said, uh, first show of the year. Their January fourth show. They traditionally run uh a show right before uh Wrestle Kingdom. They work a show at Corican. Uh, and it's usually one of their biggest shows of the year. Uh, this is for the Princess of Princess title, their uh, main belt. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki and uh, Miu uh, Yamashita. Two, I would say they are the two best women's wrestlers in the world. Uh, both of them have done work with AEW, so they've got like some... They've done tours in the States, so they, like, have worked in front of U.S. crowds. But, like, I have been big on Tokyo Joshi Pro since some friends of mine got me into them a few years ago. Like, I would watch their January 4th show because it was, like, a pre-show for Russell Kingdom, but I wouldn't, like, watch past that. But I've really... It's just this really unique promotion and like how how they're like they've ended up training these wrestlers who all of their home all or most of their homegrown talent are like not people who previously trained to be wrestlers. It's an idol promotion. Um but like they've gotten this style for this promotion that is so like it feels so natural in the way like a lot of these wrestlers have progressed into the roles they have now and like these two women like are probably their biggest success stories these are two of the best wrestlers uh in the world in my opinion doing a main event match and it's like it's not like a traditional main event match in the fact that this is only like 16 minutes long yeah uh but i think that also speaks to just the way they kind of work matches there like they don't need to have like, I think this still really achieves a big match title feel without, like, hitting so many of, like, the long build-up notes. It's a little bit more streamlined, but, like, all of the, all of the moves, I feel, have a big impact here. Uh, there's some, like... Some of the mat work they do in, like, the middle of this match, it's always crazy to me how good like Sakazaki like how good she is and how good Mio Yamashita uh not in this match but uh Yuki Kamafuku uh like how good they are on the mat considering like these were not people who necessarily had wrestling knowledge before they started training mm-hmm. um but yeah I think there's a lot of really good high impact offense here especially from uh yuka sakazaki uh there's some good stuff outside the ring there's some cool suplexes some good headbutts um 
Like, I don't know. It's like this match just hit me in all the like perfect ways that a big title match at a big show wants you to feel. And I think like the crowd kind of reflects that they're like getting really into this match uh, where every reaction feels big and natural. And so, yeah, I do have this as one of my best matches of the year so far. It's the 13th, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, I I rated this uh, four and one half stars. Uh, You only had a like three and a half. Um, so I, I want to preface saying I, I'm, I'm kind of like you were with Tokyo Joji. I usually always watched the January 4th show because it was a, always a really nice pre-show for Wrestle Kingdom. And you were always guaranteed like one or two pretty good matches. So, you know, kind of got you in that wrestling mood. Um, this to me is, and I guess it's maybe if I had the, like, I know Yamashita is like Tokyo Joji's ace. Um, and then Yuka Sakazaki is just kind of like one of those perennial, like top of the card acts that they have. And uh, definitely probably one of the pillars of Tokyo Joshi Pro. And I guess just sent like, this is the first match I've seen from Tokyo Joshi Pro in three years. So like, like I've missed (laughs) this chunk of time. And for that, I guess I just didn't have the story investment or like, like, I didn't even know Sakazaki was the champion. I assumed it was Yamashita until I started the match. Oh, yeah. Um, she she is the champion now. She had a great match with uh, Shoko Nakajima uh, last year to win the title, uh, which I maybe like a little bit more than this, but it's close. And like, but like Chris said, the the mat work in this match is so good. You never get to really see that in their excursion quote-unquote work just because nobody can really match them on the mat and and they're usually working in like dark elevation yeah yeah they're usually if they're they're, three or four minute matches if they're working a show that like you can see they're working some indies as well but like yeah they haven't been necessarily used as well as i think they should when they are in the states which i i understand you're not going to like build a huge title program around people who are only going to be like around a month, but it would yeah. be nice to see them on like actual TV instead of as much as I am a like I love AEW Dark and Elevation. I love the best podcast going. I love the uh like C show. I love C shows in general. Uh, and then when you put like Big Show and Taz doing bits on those shows, it's even better. Yeah, but, like that's not how I want to watch Yuka Sakazaki in America for like the handful of matches she has in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much better uh, in the main event of a Corican Hall show. Yeah, <laughs> who who knew uh, that you know an hour and a half before. Uh a dynamite taping or two hours after dynamite taping, not, not necessarily the best, but yeah, th- I mean, these two kill it. I, I mean, I thought, like I said, I thought it was really good. I did not only go three and a half on it. Um, and I, I do think if I would maybe had that little bit investment, I could have definitely seen myself go a little bit higher, 
But like as far as the in ring work, it was I mean excellent. The, the I it's so w- funny to me that this is the headbutt people have been complaining about from this year. That they're just like, oh my god, that's so unsafe, and like you know, the headbutt debate has been had a yeah. million and a half times at this point. There's no uh, uh, Chris and I are in the camp. Headbutts look cool. If you want to do it, who fucking cares? Not our business. Or at least I am, anyways. But I know yeah. Chris thinks headbutts look cool. Uh, <laughs> but but it, it's so weird that this was the the match, especially like I said in that Eason and Hashimoto match. I, get, I assume, but like, I mean, more people are watching this than <laughs> yeah than Kyushu Pro. So I, yeah. I get it to that point. But yeah, like that headbutt. Talk about dangerous headbutts. I mean. <laughs> It busted Eason open, and he bled a lot from the headbutt. So I, I don't know what to say. There's been some gnarly headbutts already this year. Uh, this one to me did not seem especially egregious. So I just, I just find it funny that this was. People were like, you know what? We need to kill some time before Wrestle Kingdom. Let me bitch about this headbutt for two. Yeah, hours. like, uh, like Masakita Mia is doing gnarlier headbutts with in matches with like lower stakes on Noah regularly. Yeah. And also not even to mention had a super gnarly headbutt in the zero one main event with Masato Tanaka, which I know that show came out way after uh, this Tokyo Joshi pro show. But I mean, again, been several gnarlier headbutts this year and some that have legitimately drew blood. And then this one's just like, oh, so unsafe. It's, it's I, always fun to see like what gets the discourse. It's always- yeah. Like to see what what agendas are at work here, and like, because there's always like this. Li- I don't want to get like way too inside baseball with goddamn wrestling Twitter. Who cares? But like, it's just it's always weird to see like what matches end up getting talked about. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, we also saw it with the Omega and Osprey match, which I think we probably both agree is what made it so cool. Is that <laughs> Osprey? does not really hold back anything. Like he gives Kenny a black eye and people are like, oh, Osprey's so unsafe. That elbow is going to kill somebody. And it's just like, Oh, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> they don't, they don't respect the hidden blade. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, you know, I, I get that people watch wrestling in all sorts of different ways. And again, I, I don't want to harp on it too long. It's, it's just really funny that like, this was the match to get like the the first two weeks of the year discourse, especially with how wrestling news has been this year. There's been a lot happening very quickly. I find it funny that a main event of a Tokyo Joji Pro Show got to have the spotlight for a few hours. Yeah, just at least for a few moments, Tokyo Joshi Pro is the most talked about promotion in the world. Yeah. <laughs> for the few hours before Omega versus Osprey happened. Yeah, and then the next day, Vince McMahon comes back and it's WWE CEO again. <laughs> uh, it's been a wild two weeks, but uh, I think with that, do we want to go into our <laughs> last match of the show? Yeah, the rightful main event. Yeah, the, the rightful uh, main event. From Pro Wrestling Noah's January 1st show, The New Year, uh, we have The Great Muda versus Shinsuke Nakamura representing WWE. Uh, live from Budokan Hall, which already any show in Budokan, I, I I typically watch just because it's for my money the best arena there's ever been for a wrestling event. 
Uh, I like it more than the dome. Uh, I like it more than Corican. Yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great atmosphere. And like, obviously, uh, Noah has done stuff at Budokan the past few years Mm -hmm. uh, with like all the crowd limitations. But like to see a match like this happen there with the crowd being able to cheer more and actually achieve more of that like more of like the superstar uh like blockbuster atmosphere you want a match like the great muda versus shinsuke nakamura to have like it it's like this is a match where like i really start to just feel all warm and fuzzy thinking about yeah like it's definitely well a it's cool anyways that nakamura is even in this match you know oh absolutely he signed with wwe so like already retired seven years ago yeah yeah he's kind of just been surfing since uh so it's cool to see him like back in japan like getting to I do wish he would have came out to subconscious. I think that. Would yeah, cool, it, I mean, like the violin WWE entrance is still cool. But yeah, still one of the best WWE entrances ever. Still think subconscious is better. Uh, you can argue about that on Twitter, but um, it, it so it's it's already cool that he's in this match to begin with, and then like Muda obviously retiring next month. Uh, it, it's. I don't know. I, I just really appreciate it. It's kind of like when Kenta came over a few years ago for Marifuji. Yeah, for the Marfuji match. Yeah, anniversary match. Like it, it already adds like the specialness to it. But like also when you have two gimmick heavy characters like the Great Muda and 2023 Shinsuke Nakamura, it, it just makes for a match that I I, I know we call Pondo and Tremont Looney Tunes. But this match also feels like Looney Tunes, but in a different way. Like, you know, they're not pulling out cinder blocks, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just goofy in, in kind of a way that, as a wrestling fan, I appreciate. So, yeah, it's very much uh, like a main event that's all about the spectacle of wrestling. Uh, like, so I know people were upset with some of the crowd placement or card placement uh, mm. with uh, Kaito versus Kano in the semi-main or they called it a co-main uh, because those are like, that's the hot program between the two stars you want to build the company around. Uh, like Noah's got all of their old shooters uh, but like Kaito is their ace and Kano is one of like the biggest stars in the company and he's still got plenty left in the tank. So to have that big match uh, as like the co-main, uh, which is a great match, by the way, you should. Yeah, uh, you highly should recommend. Check highly recommend that uh, Kaito versus Kano. If this particular match match was not going on after it we probably would be talking about that match Mm. uh but like that is your standard uh like your work rate main event that like you would expect 
And then Nakamura versus Muta is great for like a million different reasons because it's so so built around the spectacle. This is a this is a match that is built around Muta's mist. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. And so you got a lot of you got some stuff on the outside. Uh, I mean, Muta with his age and his limitations, he's not going to be like taking a bunch of moves or doing a bunch of moves anyway. So you do some good, uh, you do some good mat work, you do some good shtick, and you can get them as engaged as anything. And that's just like, that's just as much part of wrestling as doing the moves. Yeah, exactly. Like with Kaito and Kino, like you can get great performances in other sports, but like Muda and Nakamura is something that can solely only happen in wrestling, I feel like. Yes. Uh where I again, like Chris said, the match is built around this poison spit of of Muda. Like first of all, it's already in itself a insane premise. But then like just the Again, I, I hate overusing the word, but pageantry, spectacle, as well as the crowd investment, like being able to actually emote that we've talked about earlier, like it adds so much to this match. But, uh, yeah, on the top crowd. Of the crowd here is great. Yeah, like they they know what they came for, and this is what they came for, and like, and just and it. Is a I don't want to even harp on the pageantry aspect too much because I still do think this is a very good just wrestling match. Uh, Nakamura no, Nakamura obviously has the reputation, especially since uh going to WWE of like being a guy who does overly rely on the shtick and he gets by and he takes his paycheck, which king, king shit, I respect yeah, it. Good for him. Um like get get paid. Uh, but I mean, this is not a match that Shinsuke Nakamura is going to take off. Like he realizes how special it is for him to be there at that moment to have this match in front of this crowd. And so like, he's not, obviously he's not working at like he's doing eight minutes with Apollo Crews. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So you, you do get that, like. Shinsuke Nakamura that you've only seen like a few flashes of the past few years even when he's even when he is doing the good vibrations and other like and taunting and other stuff you see a little bit more pep in his step you see that he's he's more locked in and it adds a lot because I mean Shinsuke Nakamura is one of the greats like even if he took every other match off in his prime, he is still like when he when Shinsuke Nakamura is on, he is as good as it gets. Oh yeah, and and that's evidence. I mean, God, if you're a newer fan, watch the the Sakuraba match uh, from Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago. I still think the Sami Zayn debut match in NXT is fucking incredible. Um, I haven't I haven't revisited it lately, but I mean I still look look back at that match very fondly. Yeah. Now granted it ruined American wrestling crowds forever, but yes, it did. <laughs> but in the moment it was match. very special and a very good match. Yeah. And but 
yeah, like Chris, like Chris said, this is a good wrestling match. Take out all of the, you know, what makes pro wrestling pro wrestling of it. Like they're like the mat work in this match. Nakamura can go on the mat, and Muda, despite being sixty, it, it is good on the mat. Like Muda yeah, has always been good on the mat. Like I don't think people realize that, but like, dude has always been solid on the mat. I have been like through his Noah noah uh run like he hasn't always had the greatest matches like some of he does have some misses but i have been very much uh of the mind that like his title run was good his like that run in general he was having good matches and a lot oh, of yeah. it is because of his mat work and just like he knows what he can and can't do and knows how to work beyond his limitations Yes, absolutely. Like, on top of being one of the biggest political minds in wrestling ever, huge carny through and through, brother knows how to work. <laughs> so it it definitely helps here. And but then when you add on like the shtick of it all, it's just it yeah. really elevates this match to to a level that even though I was excited for it, I, I didn't think I would like it quite that much. But like it, it's so good. And like, I, I think this whole retirement run that Mudo Mudo has been on has been really good. Yes. Uh, I I don't actually think he's had a bad match the whole run. The, Uh, the Kaito match where Kaito finally beat him is one of the best matches of last year. Yeah. I mean, it's phenomenal. I really do not see how him teaming with Sting and Darby Allen is, could be anything less than great. Um, the match he had at Wrestle Kingdom was uh very good. I would actually just match. have it a, a step below this match, to be honest. And that and that there's not hardly any shtick in that. That's really just mostly pro wrestling. I I am interested to so like Chris for a little I guess guessing game. Who do you think his retirement match is going to be against? Or what do you think it's going to oh, be? Oh man, I don't even. I don't even know. Because he said in an interview he wanted his retirement match to be against Masahiro Chono. I do not see that happening. I don't see it. I don't see Chono doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't see Chono coming because coming out of retirement. But apparently Chono said he he was going to do it, but he had to have like neck surgery or something last year. And he he literally can't bump or something. Um but I, I'm interested to what it is because I don't think it's going to be an all Noah affair. I definitely, yeah, it's definitely going to be a supercar. I mean, they're running the fucking dome, um, and you, you know, love Noah to death. You can't do that just on the backs of your native Noah roster, even if it's Mudo's retirement. Yeah, but I have no. I and then part of me thought, well, maybe he's going to get all of his Wrestle One rejects together for one last hoorah. Get like Sonata and Soya and uh, get Kai, maybe get Hideki Suzuki back in the mix. But I'm like, I don't know. That seems almost too obvious. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to watch it. Whatever. Yeah, I'm it excited is. for it. I'm like a lot of a lot of like the mood of retirement run since like he said it, it's his final run. I've just been kind of going along with the ride. Uh, I know, like, for the trios with Darby and Sting, there are some people uh, 
excited about the opponents some aren't uh like i'm like i just think with muda being who he is and his reach across wrestling like i just think like i'm just gonna keep trusting the process uh because i like like you said i can't imagine like you put muda sting and darby in a match with anyone i think that's going to be delivered or that's going to deliver much less like it being one of his final matches ever. Um, yeah. So I haven't even really thought that much about who the final opponent is going to be because like, I just feel like it'll end up being right. Cause like, especially seeing something like this, uh, like Shinsuke match, uh, it ending up being, so special and getting the opportunity to get Shinsuke in for a big match from WWE uh, and like having them run that back one final time between the two of them uh, and like Nakamura just getting that big win while also making Muda look like the legend he is just yeah. like everything about this run uh in the ring has been as good as i could imagine yeah um and like him putting i mean obviously not not nakamura but like putting kaido over and like passing on the shining wizard yeah and the flash elbow to kaido's like uh the stuff with uh like great okan too uh was really really good last year in both noah and uh new japan yeah, so it, it it's really nice. So I'm I'm interested to see what what he does. I'm interested to see how he finishes up his run. What what that looks like, but just knowing pretty much he's going to have access to any wrestler he wants. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe now with the changes in WWE, we might not get someone from there. But I can't yeah. imagine they would go back to the WWE. Uh like go back there anyway after getting shinsuke i think that was all they wanted from there so yeah i no idea oh, but man. i believe it will be great i believe yeah I, yeah i i, I believe magic because of this match with yeah. that like i don't know if there's gonna be a better finish than this oh this th- yeah the the finish like i i <laughs> Again, I, we are only 13 days to the year. By the time you're listening, I think we'll be 17 or 18. I don't know dates um, through the year. But I, I would be shocked if there was a better finish than <laughs> Shinsuke absorbing Muda's mist and <laughs> spitting it back at him. Yeah, spitting it. So, like, that's that's the best part of this match is that this match, like, he does, Shinsuke does hit a Kinshasa earlier mm. in the match. But, like, the finish isn't built around him hitting it again and getting the final pin. It's get it's doing the kiss to absorb the mist, spitting it back at him, and then during the pin, spitting that final bit. Like, it's just, like, when, when you hit the mist for a finish and then spit out the rest, 
during the pin it is like the coolest visual in wrestling yeah it, yeah it, it's 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 so good um that i really can't go gush a, enough about this match just because like i know people are going to be like oh it's lazy shinsuke or oh why do i want to watch a 6 year old man wrestle which to me is like the prime for a wrestler that's that's um, all i that's the only age group i want to watch wrestling yeah i only want to see wrestlers that eat dinner at 3:30 wrestle um but man it like uh, like honestly just such a cool visual uh shinsuke getting the same violin player i can't for the life of me remember his name but to do his theme that did his theme in, or does his theme in wwe is super cool like just a lot of really cool things about this match like both behind the scenes and the actual match itself it it's good it definitely will probably end up being one of the most memorable matches of the year um just with all the circumstances with it but uh on top of all that it just being a great match in general is really cool yeah i think that i think that really sums it up uh, well chris those <laughs> i think we went a little longer <laughs> than we both thought <laughs> i mean we, we should have seen it coming a little bit yeah knowing for- the two of us and we i think both of us just enjoy talking to each other which is and we'd just go on those tangents so yeah we we should have i mean i don't have anywhere to be for the next several hours so yeah but, I'm, yeah i'm cool with it yeah, same. Uh, I had a, a real good time. But uh, is there anything else we want we need to mention before I guess we get into end of show plugs? Um, um, not, not really. I like. I don't know what we're going to be talking about. Uh, next time quite yet obviously we'll probably wait for some matches maybe see if anything gets suggested i'm going to start watching some of the early like lucha shows of the year and see anything that's there but like i think all the other matches that i wanted to shout out uh i did uh, as far as like what i think the top tier stuff from this year is so far other than what we covered so i think i'm good yeah um, well, first of all, you should follow the podcast Twitter at Muscle Orchestra. That if you want to suggest us a match, do it there just so it's in like one place, please. Um hit us with any match suggestions, even show suggestions. Again, like we're aiming for once a month, but if you know, I guess people are clamoring for more, I guess we could probably get together twice a month. But for right now it's once a month. Um Anything cool under the radar sort of stuff that people want to shout out, definitely do it at Muscle Orchestra on Twitter or just follow us to get updates on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Tanner1495 where I'm also doing my own thread of uh, what I consider great 2023 matches, 4-star plus. I also have a little sheet where I keep all my 3-star plus matches at so you can uh, follow me there. But I assume if you're listening, you probably already do that. Yeah, uh, and you can find me at uh, Fight Haskins on Twitter. Uh, and uh, I am also doing, uh, like, keeping track of my favorite wrestling of the year. I 
linked my spreadsheet a few days ago, but it it'll be way down in the shit posting. Um, but I mean, I I do like to talk about if I see a particularly great match, I do like talking about it online. So you'll definitely see uh, more recommendations than just what I'm talking about here. You want to talk about the Chris 100 at all? Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure if that was uh, if it was just plugging our Twitter or plugging. No, no, plug whatever you general. want. I don't give a shit. Oh yeah, I'm. I <laughs> I just didn't know if we that was a different segment. But yes, it is. Uh, we're learning. We're learning, everyone. Uh, <laughs> it is the it is hashtag the Chris 100 season. Uh, that is the uh, wrestler of the year poll that I run. Uh, I took a little bit of the mantle from Concrete Sam, our good friend, who uh, ran the uh, We Don't Know Wrestling 100 uh, and decided he was sick of compiling it. Uh, so I kind of took it and did my own thing with it. Is this uh, your third year doing it? It or is fourth? the third year of us doing yeah. it. So two years ago, Go Shizaki won. Uh, and last year was Danielson's year. Uh, this year, it is an interesting field of top contenders that I'm interested in seeing uh, who might come on top. There's a, quite a few big dogs across. I'm assuming it's going to be someone from AEW or New Japan, but uh, there's some, like, first year we did have a Noah winner, so, uh, like... Who who knows where things may fall, especially with like a few ballots can tip someone's favor a good way. But you can learn how to vote in that. Uh, it is all for 2022 work. Uh, if you go to my Twitter account, once again, at Fight Haskins, uh, it is my pinned tweet. Uh, so just click on that link and you can fill out your bat ballot and if there's anything you do wrong i will probably contact you uh so i can fix my numbers uh but yeah so that's the chris 100 i love doing it i would love to see more people who haven't done it in the past vote in we've already gotten a few first time ballots so that's super cool and love doing it and hope we keep running it and you've got until February 28th at midnight to do it. Yeah, I still got to do my ballot for yes, for you last do. Year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, any anything else to plug? I think that's everything. For me, at least. I know you've got all your stuff. Well, yeah, I got a bunch of pot. Well, I got a podcast. Uh, also, if you like video games, you can listen to Backlog Boys. It's also on the same feed as this podcast. So that would be great. Super appreciative. Um, Let's see. I do TikTok now. I open a bunch of cards on TikTok. You can follow that at Tanner14 uh, spelled out. Oh, you, you've, I forgot about that. I forgot you were finally opening up, opening up your cards. Yeah, I have. Well, so here's what happened. I I did the math. I can't counted. I have over 800 packs of cards to open, so I figured I needed an outlet to open them to at least <laughs> make it seem worth it. <laughs> so I started recording them and putting them on TikTok. So if you're into that, that's Tanner uh, O N E F O U R. But uh, yeah, that's everything. I think. Let us know what we should talk about next time. <laughs> yeah, thank you for listening. 
yeah thanks for listening thanks for bearing with the growing pains as we uh kind of establish what we want to do much of it on the fly i would argue all of it on the fly outside of the matches we almost look up. <laughs> 90 at least 95 percent on the fly yeah uh I, yeah i definitely <laughs> thank you for if for listening for you know sticking around because you know technically the podcast is six months old but <laughs> this is our first episode so th- thank you very much and uh uh thank you chris for uh you know co-piloting this cap this uh ship with me oh thank you tanner love to love to do it love that uh we are doing this because yeah it's it's a good outlet it's definitely making helping make me appreciate wrestling a lot more than i kind of was for a bit there and so uh just having that opportunity to get out of the rut and the routine and actively seek out new things uh that kind of get my brain going a little bit more than just turning on tbs at 8 p.m <laughs> sound like you're about to go into a dynamite plug <laughs> uh, no it's on tonight it's on uh tnt at 10 p.m yeah yeah, yeah and it's a good card i'm gonna say rampage tonight it's a good card not to mention SmackDown's running uh, Owens versus Zayn, which would probably be decent. So. <laughs> yeah, big night, big night for yeah. our sport. Big year, f- looking like a big year for our sport. Yeah, looking like a big year. I'm, I'm going to live wrestling shows again. Chris will probably end up on a live wrestling show. I, I may, maybe on next month's episode before we get into our matches, may do a little GCW report on the ground. Um, we'll see about that but uh yeah any ideas for the podcast again uh we are two very open individuals we're on twitter all the time so please feel free to yell at us what we should do things we should do with this show all right any last words chris no i think i'm i think i'm good all right we'll see y'all next time